Well, good morning, everyone. Um, if you're visiting, welcome. Uh, my name is Hafa. I'm one of the elders here at Resonate. Uh, and every Sunday, we typically go through a book of the Bible. Uh, we go verse by verse, bit by bit. Um, and we have been in the book of Matthew, but for the summer, we've taken a little break and uh, we've kind of been exploring through Psalms. Um, we haven't gone through every single Psalm, but we've been exploring through Psalms. Um, and we'll be back to our studies of Matthew next month. Um, so until then, you gotta listen to me in Psalms 37. So we will be in Psalms 37 this morning. And uh, I'll be honest with you, um, it has been a, a, a difficult one to prep for, a difficult one to um, speak through, and um, you'll hear why in a second. Um, but I'd like to start first a little differently. I like to start first with a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit about a personal journey. Um, and I want to share with you that uh, I've had a journey through depression for some time. Now, living with depression is kind of like navigating stormy seas. For the most part, the waves can be calm and things can seem clear, but most of the times, uh, waves just crash over you without any warning. Everything just feels exponentially harder. Hopelessness creeps in. And in all that, I am thankful for the resources that are around me and the people that are around me to help manage it. And in all this, though, there's a constant underlying struggle, a constant search for a beacon of hope, permanent relief. Please let this pass. And while I know many of you may not be facing depression, I know that perhaps there is a longing, a desire in your heart that still remains unfulfilled. Or maybe you're grappling with some kind of injustice or oppression, uh, or even the news that we heard a second ago that just seems like it never ends. Why does that happen? Like me, you may also be walking through a painful season, a painful time, just waiting for better days. And I'll be honest, walking through that, journeying through that, makes me wonder about Psalm 1. And I'll read Psalm 1 to you, um, and you'll, you'll see what I mean. Someone says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalms 1 is hard because it describes the world in a very straightforward way. The righteous will prosper like fruitful trees, while the wicked 
will fail to thrive. The wicked are like scattered chaff. But, just like me, and perhaps some or most of you, the author of Psalm 37 observed life and painted a contrasting picture. He saw the wicked prospering. He saw the wicked thriving. And he saw the righteous, poor, oppressed, and needed rescuing a starkly different image than that of Psalm 1. But despite that disparity, despite that difference, I believe that Psalm 37 offers a much needed encouragement and is a beautifully structured poem that is rooted in wisdom literature, and a little bit more of that in a second. Um, But the main point of Psalm 37 is that it's trying to encourage us to hold on. It's trying to encourage us to remain steadfast, to trust in the Lord, even when life around us, even when life's picture does not resemble Psalm 1. So let's read Psalm 37. Let's search for this encouragement, and let's find the strength that we need in our journeys. But before we, we read, just a couple notes, a couple uh, little fun facts and tidbits about Psalm 37. Um, the, the author is, is uh, well, it's David, um, but this is a wisdom literature, right? I mentioned that a second ago. And wisdom literature means that the author is speaking to the reader, he's speaking to us. Uh, wisdom literature is not necessarily like a reflective, like, you know, worship the Lord, O oh my soul. Um, it's also not a, a worshipful one, worship psalm, where it's, you know, just praising God. Um, or a lament psalm, where it's like, where are you, God? This is a wisdom psalm. It's not attached to an event. It's not attached to an individual. It's attached to timeless wisdom that we today can apply, can hold on to, can cling to. So that's wisdom literature, as a Psalm 37 is. So David is speaking to us. Um, and a fun fact is that it's actually an alphabetic acrostic. That's just a really fun way of saying you take the Hebrew alphabet and every section starts with a sequential letter. Just a fun, easy way to memorize it in Hebrew, for those of you who speak it. And it's a testament to David's literary skills, to be honest. Um, so those are some fun facts. Um, but let's read Psalm 37 together. Of David. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked. 
for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They're not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice, he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless, and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. So Psalm 37 talks a lot about the wicked, the evildoers. And it's mentioned 13 times in this psalm. Um, and Psalm 37 comes after 36, so counting works. And Psalm 36 starts talking about the wicked. Who are they? What are they like? And 37 kind of is a natural follow-up. Uh, and it gives like an honest look at, uh, at the wicked's existence. What, what, what are the, uh, the, the marks of the wicked? But not only that, um, Psalm 37 intertwines our observation of life and steadfast faith to paint a picture of their fate. Where are, going, where are they going to end up? Because at times we look around and notice that those who act wickedly seem to prosper, at least for a little while. And that can be difficult to swallow, can't it? We find ourselves wrestling with envy. Not because we want to imitate the 
wicked ways, but because they have something, or they appear to have something that we do not, even in our righteous efforts. They seem to thrive when we feel like we're simply surviving. And as I mentioned previously, this reality sort of contradicts the essence of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says the wicked will not thrive. They won't prosper. Yet, in the face of it all, when we look around, when we see the world around us, we see individuals who reject God, who reject his commands, thriving like a tree planted in native soil, as the psalm says. And seeing this seeming prosperity of the wicked can be confusing or even painful. We won't go there today, but Psalm, 30, Psalm 73 captures that feeling really, really well. And I encourage you to read Psalm 73 this week. So however, as hard as it is to see the world around us, to see the wicked thrive, we can't turn away from it as, as if to dismiss it. Like it's just a metaphor. Like, oh, Psalm 37 is just a metaphor. We can't really over-spiritualize it as if it's not a reality. The prosperity is real. It's tangible. God, I'm dealing with this. They're not. Why? Why do I have to deal with this? Not them. But as we read more Psalm 37, we hear a repeated comforting truth that while the wicked may prosper in the short term, they will not in the long run. Their prosperity is short-lived. They may thrive like mighty trees, but soon will fade. They soon will wither. Like flowers that bloom, they fade. Like smoke, they disappear into air, so will the wicked vanish. Their doom is pronounced. They will disappear. Their day of judgment is coming, and they will fall victim to their own destructive ways. So yes, the message of Psalm 1 is true. The wicked will not prosper. In the grand narrative of God's divine plan, it is the righteous who will endure. And as we navigate through life's ups and downs, I hope you hold on to that truth. Let it comfort us. Let it strengthen our faith. Let us remind us of the eternal value of righteousness. The wicked ways, the wicked may prosper momentarily, but it is God's truth that will prevail. It is the righteous who will ultimately stand firm. So let's, cha- let's, let's change our focus to the main character of this psalm, the righteous. They're mentioned nine times, and even though they're mentioned less than the wicked, it is the heartbeat of the psalm. It is the, the, the main purpose. Because again, the main purpose is to guide the righteous, teaching us how to navigate life despite the prosperity of those around us, despite our own suffering, despite thinking what we deserve, what we should have, and what others have that we do not. Because the reality is sometimes it feels like those who strive to live righteously encounter hardship, particularly in the short term, in seasons. And we we feel what verse 8 is kind of 
suggesting us not to do. We ask ourselves, why does verse eight tell us, refrain from anger? Why does it say to, to get rid of rage? Well, possibly it's the frustration of the wounds afflicted by the wicked. It could be that our innocence goes unrecognized. It could be that the cause that we're fighting for gets dismissed or belittled. The righteous may suffer because they're overrun by the wicked and their lives might be impaired by hostility. Again, we heard that not that long ago. Maybe we find ourselves stumbling, right? No matter how hard we try to, to go on the path of righteousness, we just can't get it right. Or sometimes we do get it right and like, God, where's, where's the return? Where is the return in my investment? Sometimes anger can come from a sense of unfulfilled promise, a frustration that the prosperity spoken in Psalm 1 doesn't match our current experience. Why? But even in all that hardship, the psalm resounds with a message of hope that the righteous in the grand scheme of things will not suffer indefinitely. This theme echoes in these verses. The righteous will live safely in the land and prosper. They will realize their heart's desire. Their innocence will shine like the dawn. They will enjoy eternal rewards and they will never stray from God's path. They have a wonderful future waiting for them. Indeed, Psalm 1 is true in the end, which raises the question, well, what does that look like now, right? We've painted a picture that it's not someone's now, but if it's true in the end, how do we live now? How do we live in a world that doesn't reflect Psalm 1? And I would say this, Psalm 37 provides us with that guidance. And I'll mention three of them. The first is we live by faith. We put our trust in the Lord. Verse three says, trust in the Lord. Verse five says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Verse nine says, those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Trust in him, commit your ways to them, wait on him. And my favorite definition of faith uh, is found in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It won't be on the screen, but um, I'll read it to you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Put our trust in the Lord. Secondly, that faith must be active, obedient. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 27, turn away from evil and actively seek righteousness and do good. We are encouraged to walk steadily on his path to embody honesty, goodness, and cultivate a love for peace, as verse 37 says. So we trust in the Lord, it's an act of faith, and the third thing, we must live with patient hope. Verse seven says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. 
And verse 34 says, wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Which kind of begs a retort question. And where do we find the strength? How do we live in obedient faith? How do we find patient hope in the Lord? It is in him. Psalm 37 verse four says, he will grant us the desires of our heart. Verse five says, he will aid us. Verse six, verse six says, he will make our innocence radiate like the dawn. 17 through 18 says, the Lord will care for the godly and the innocent. 39 and 40 says, he is our fortress in times of trouble. He saves us and offers us shelter, offers us refuge. So Psalm 37 assures us that Psalm 1 will hold true in the end. But the end is the question. The end could come at the end of the day. It could come at the end of the week. It could come at the end of the month, at the end of the year. It could be at the end of our lives or maybe the end of this present evil age. But the end will come in our timetable is not like God's. We feel that. We experience that. I want this now. But there's always a better plan. Hindsight is 2020, right? God's timetable is not like ours. But the end will come. The end will come. Psalms 1 promise will be experienced as true. And that's only because Jesus on our behalf endured. He endured the struggles and the sufferings depicted in Psalm 37. Even to the point of dying an unjust death. Yet, the end came for him too. He was vindicated. Just a fancy word of saying he was cleared of guilt, of shame, of blame. He was vindicated. The end came for him. He was raised from the dead. And he is a joy for those who trust, who obey, and who hope in him. Therefore, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I will summarize Psalm 37 as delight in the Lord, and he will be your heart's desire. Delight in the Lord, and he will be your heart's desire. We may not feel Psalm 1 now, but the end will come and he will be your desire. He will be your joy. He will satisfy. He is our refuge. He is our strength in every season. And I'd like to use the last little bit of our time as a time of reflection, a time to, to um, just engage with the truth that we just heard, uh, to to think through the, the truths about the fleeting nature of the wicked success and the enduring promise for the righteous. And we're gonna let the reality kind of sink in our hearts. We're gonna use the time to reflect. We're gonna embrace patience and truth and trust and deepen our connection and draw near to God as the Psalms are meant to do. We read, we listen, we discuss, we wait before the Lord. So I'd like to invite you now to close your eyes, take a deep breath, and bring your attention to the presence 
of God. And whatever posture helps to, to be receptive, whether that's sitting with your palms facing up, whether that is looking up at the ceiling, um, whether it's on your knees, whatever that posture looks like, I invite you to do that now. And as I read Psalm 37 slowly, I hope that you reflect on the lives of the wicked and the lives of the righteous. Just listen to those truths. For a second, take away the distraction, take away your current circumstance, and just listen and reflect on the lives of the wicked and the lives of the righteous. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their, their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. 
but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright. For there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Sit in that for just a little bit. remember Psalm 1. Think about Psalm 1. How does this psalm resonate with your current life circumstance?
tone with those thoughts and feelings. Think about how it interacts with your understanding of Psalm 37. remind you of the promise of Psalm 37. In the end, the righteous will prosper and the wicked will fade away. Sit with that promise for a moment. that promise fill you with hope let it fill you with reassurance and I pray church that you will trust in God that that faith and that trust will be active will be obedient and patiently hope on him despite seasons despite circumstance trust in him faithfully the end will come